This is Bob Langdon, and you're listening to the Sheriff Podcast. exclusive episode of the sheriff guys i am blessed right now to have us with us right now what i just said before the show as a real fighter we have a real fighter with us right now ladies and gentlemen not only is he the all-time pim leader for the south carolina stingrays not only is this man also a professional mixed martial artist and wonderful man, but he is the special guest for us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Nate Kaiser. How are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I've been, I've been catching up with some episodes all week, man, and it's, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I was, uh, I was listening to the episode with the original sheriff the other day, Scott Parker, who uh, he's, he's right up there with Bob Probert in reference to like my favorite guys of all time. Um, and uh, I listened to the one with Brandon Sugden, uh, who, man, that guy technically was incredible uh, as far as fighting goes on the ice. And I know you guys had some epic battles, too, as well. And I've just enjoyed listening to the podcast, man. So thank you for having me on. Kyle, how awesome is that as an intro? <laughs> Dude, it's dope, man. I mean, it's awesome that you went back and listened to some of these episodes. Oh, it's great, man. I, I, I love it. I'm I'm a huge fan when it comes to all this stuff, man. I uh um, I, I love listening to the tough guy stories. I love listening to everybody's take on their career and, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations that they went to the up and downs, the mental battles, the physical battles. And it's, it's, it's such great stuff. And I wish it would be, I wish it would be out there more for the public because I really feel like they would come to appreciate, you know, like, like what Sean did in his career, uh, and is obviously continuing to do in his career. People would appreciate it a lot more. That's for sure. Cause these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're character guys. They're great guys. And th- these are the, usually the guys that are the best guys on the team as far as just overall team guys, usually the nicest guys uh, off the ice too as well. So uh, to get a chance for people to hear these guys' stories, I think it's just a great outlet. Well, I mean, I agree with you 100%, Nate. And, and like I, Kyle, I'm sure will agree with me. That's most of the reason why we do this, brother. Like, this is fun for us. Like, me and Kyle do this for fun. I'm in the hopes of being a sports broadcaster, so it's like a running resume for me. But, man, I've never had an extracurricular activity that I've been a part of where I've actually enjoyed it and had so much fun and got to meet so many people and network and everything that comes with it. And, like, I'm sure Kyle could also agree that the guests that we have on, Nate, like you said, we're looking for the biggest characters. We're looking for the best stories. And that's why we have you on tonight. You <laughs> I don't know if I'll give you the best stories, but I'll uh, I'll do my best. And uh, yeah, like I said before, man, it's an honor uh, to finally speak with you. And um, yeah, we we just like we had mentioned before we uh, we got live here. Uh, you know, we've known each other or of each other, I think, for a long time, or at least I've known of you 
dating back to our OHL days, being the same birth dates, and uh, uh, obviously you being the champ uh, in the OHL back, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, but yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's great to finally be able to talk with you and, and, uh, and meet you. Awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate so was, that. And, and Sorry, Kyle, so go was, ahead, please. Was that, was that the running thing when you were in the L? Is Sean McMore as the champ? Yeah, so like my, my first year, which was, uh, unless you played underage, I'm assuming your first year too as well. Um, I think yeah. maybe the champ back there, there, there was some real big heavyweights. John Erskine, my first year, was, 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 was the big guy. Uh, Karkner. I think Peters was in the league too, as well. Um, obviously, Brett Sean Clute. too, as well. Um, James Ramsey, who who played with me in Plymouth, uh, just uh, he's he's a good buddy. He is uh, he's about as tough as they come. As Sean knows, you guys have had some great battles. Just just a big lefty throws huge hammers, and uh, yeah, you guys have had some great tilts. Yeah, man. I see. I get excited, Nate, when when you say these names, buddy, because I think that. And, and like I was going to say before, just to back up a little bit, just so the listeners know, me and Nasty Nate Kaiser are both 1982 birth dates. We are the same age, okay? So look, we played against each other, and this is what I wanted to get into, Nate. Now, you're mentioning about the OHL. Yeah. What I want to know, and what we're going to get into, is how Nasty Nate Kaiser grew up, right, in yeah. Southgate. I know you were born in Southgate. I was going to ask where you actually grew up. But before we get into that, buddy, just because we're on the hockey right now, what AAA Michigan team did you play for as a kid? So I played for a few. I played for Little Caesars uh, for a long time, and then I played for uh, Compuware, too, as well. Okay. So Who did those, you play for? I was the Don Mills Flyers, yeah. brother. Yeah. The Philadelphia Flyer uniforms oh, from yeah. Toronto. So Don Mills Flyers and the Toronto Red Wings, when I was growing up, were the two top teams. And, uh, man, like, we always look forward to playing you guys. You guys, it's like we were good, but you guys were almost like at another tier. Um, and it, it was incredible. Anytime we would run into you guys in, in a tournament, it was like even just watching your guys' game, it was like we were watching another level of play. Well, Nate, here's the thing. I'm going to have to one-up you, my brother, okay? Because before this show, I was just talking to my mom. I get to do the recordings from her house. I was saying to her, Mom, Kaiser is my age. He's from Southgate, Michigan. I know that he played for one of those powerhouse Michigan AAA programs. Mom, I bet you it was either Little Caesars or Detroit Compuware that this yeah. man played for. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Nate, you, those two programs in our age group at least, and I'm sure in, in the ones five older and five younger years – Man, you guys were the strongest programs that we ever faced on, on the other side of the border, bro. Okay? Yeah. And we never really played Western Canadian teams. It was mostly like teams all over Ontario, then the teams from New York State, Michigan, and, you know, maybe a couple other like Maine and stuff like that, right? But, right. dude, Detroit, Detroit Compuware and Little Caesars – we're so good, Nate. You guys were so good. We were intimidated to play you guys. We were oh, the, 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 the feeling was mutual, I can assure you. Like we were like we always wanted to play the best teams, and, and you and the Toronto Red Wings were always the top two teams. And like I had mentioned yeah. before, like even when we would go to a tournament, like we would we would go out of our way to watch your guys' games just because we just felt like it was another level and we we're like, man, these guys, like, what are they doing? Like what 
what are they learning that we're not learning? Like what exactly is going on with their program? And uh, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was, it, it was a great time. And, and hockey back then was so competitive too. As well. Yeah. The politics, remember the politics oh, with crazy. the parents? Crazy. Yeah, bro. Crazy. Here's another question I have for you, Nate. Now, one of those teams, did you guys all go to the same school? And was it kind of like a, like a group thing for everything? So um, there were, uh, I, I think that was kind of more like the USA National Development Program um, okay. that, that kind of steered in that direction. And that, that was an older program. Uh, too as well, where they would just have all these guys come in from different areas of the United States that were playing for this team. They would all go to the same high school. They would all, you know, live together. They would all do this whole thing together. So um, we didn't do anything like that when I was playing, uh, but it, it wasn't uncommon for uh, for teams, I think, a little bit older to do something along those lines. Now, so Little Caesars and Detroit Compuware were they the they were the two top teams in Michigan, right? For the triple. Yeah, when I when I was growing up, that that program was uh, both programs were so good, and just uh, I remember my first time trying out for Little Caesars. I, I used to be a forward, and then uh, I tried out for the team. I didn't make the forward. They're like, "Hey, we're going to bring you back. We want you to try playing defense." So I end up making the team as a defenseman, and uh, and that's kind of how I my career on defense progressed from that point on but yeah it was always like you just you see the orange and the baby blue and you're like just growing up you're like man these colors are so awesome and everybody's wearing the same gear because before playing there i didn't have that and it was it was another level it was you know families had a lot more money than we had and uh and, and kids were used to having all brand new gear and stuff like that i you know that wasn't us um but i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world man it was awesome it was such a blast coming up and like you had mentioned before, the politics, it's, it's, it's crazy when you sit back and look at, at how it just seemed like it would kind of spiral out of control at times with parents and the, and the politics of the game. And, and you're looking at it now, and especially me being a parent, it's a, it's a children's game. And, you know, it yeah. just gets a little too crazy. And it's like, you know, but it, it was all part of the great times and the great memories. Can you guys go into depth a little bit about these politics you guys are speaking of? Because I, I've never played at that level. So I'm on completely unaware of what politics are taking place between the parents. Well, Sean, I'll, I'll let you take the floor. Here. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, like, okay, so so when I when I bring up that topic, what I'm thinking about is like, for example, these parents are so like obsessed with getting their child to the National Hockey League, that they're going to do any, any means possible, okay? Now, when me and Nate were in minor Adam, Adam, minor Peewee, we had guys on the Don Mills Flyers that were, like, from, like, you know, Hamilton, Windsor, like, a couple hours away from Toronto, and their families actually moved to Toronto primarily for their son to be able to play in the MTHL, the league that we were playing in, right? Because there was boundary rules that you had to live within certain areas. The dad then seeked the best possible job. But the reason was for their, their savior son that must make it to the NHL. You know what I mean? I heard that during COVID, Kyle, that trip, Canadian AAA parents were moving to the States for their kids to play. Like, 
totally changing their whole family's lives and moving to another country because temporarily they're not able to play for the Donald's Flyers or, you know, Toronto Red Wings, right? Because they shut down the MTA, the GTHL, they call it now. They shut it down for COVID, but there was leagues playing it across the border where you are, right? So yeah, where you guys are. So yeah, man, like to me, that's what politics means. Just parents going to any means necessary to get that the, thinking their kid's going to make the NHL. Yeah. Nailed it. You, you definitely nailed it kind of spot on right there. It just, I felt like, uh, especially for some younger guys, because when you're at that age, there's always those standout guys, right? Those guys that are just like at another level, uh, that are kind of able to dominate at that level. Mm-hmm. And we're still children. Not everybody's fully developed at that point. Right. So things yeah. change as people get older and those guys don't always necessarily wind up being the top players as they progress in their career. But exactly what Sean was saying, uh, just parents almost taking it to a a completely different level and putting pressure on on their son or daughter, depending upon what it is. You're going to be the next great player. You're going to play in the NHL. Everything we do is geared towards that. And, uh, and you know, that's that's kind of the same mentality that I had when when he made reference to that. So uh, I think we're in agreement with that. And, yeah, it was kind of crazy to see that whole the way that whole thing would play out, especially at being such a young age, because it would really strip a, a lot of the fun away from guys that were playing and uh, yeah. guys that were really good players because it put a lot more pressure on them. Yeah. I thank saw for the clarification. Like, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying thank you for the clarification because I was just unaware that, like, I mean, the way I was raised and the way I'm, like, my kid just started playing now, he's four. And I just let him do what he wants. Like half the time, he's not even doing what he's supposed to be doing. But I'm like, ah, you having fun? Do it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, no, for sure. But like, as you were mentioning, Nate, about the money. Like, I, I you mentioned, like, you know, these families had more money than us, right? Yeah. And like, and like, I totally see what you're saying, man, because it seemed like at the AAA level when we were early teens, you know, 12, 13, 14, that the parents that had the most money. They seem to have the most power. Like, I know that there was parents on my team that paid the, the AAA coaches when I was younger. Now, the organizations give the coaches salaries. Yeah. But I think the primary reason for that is to stop the rich parents from paying them and trying to control them. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah, that definitely went on when I was when I was growing up and I was playing and uh, you, you know, you would always hear things or kind of yeah. put the pieces of the puzzle together. But um, yeah, without a doubt, that definitely played a factor in guys making teams, ice time, yeah. letters on jerseys. Power play. Uh, yeah, like it, it's, yeah. Just, it, it's, it's cr- when you sit back and think about it now as an adult, it's, it's crazy. But um, yeah. I guess, I guess uh, whatever it takes, <laughs> I don't yeah, know exactly. how else to Whatever means it, necessary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then any of these, any of these kids that got all these politics in their favor, make it to the NHL? Nope. Yeah, (laughs) the craziest parents and kids—they never like Nate. That some of them never even made it to the major junior level. Yeah, and you almost, and and you could see it too. You you almost felt bad for the kids because you knew they were just put in a position, and it wasn't necessarily a position that they were wanting to be put in. But there was so much going on behind the scenes that it, again, it just really strips a lot of the fun away from the game. And that's, you know, that's why we play it, right? Because we love the game. It's supposed to be fun. It's the greatest game in the world. Uh, you, you, 
you get to meet all different types of people. You get to travel. You get to experience different things. And, uh, and there's nothing like hockey, especially when you're growing up and you're playing at a high level. It should be fun. And uh, granted, these parents do play, pay a lot of money in order for, for their son or daughter to play. Um, and, and they expect the best out of them. But you have to kind of really tote that line as far as what is putting too much pressure on them to where it's stripping away the actual fun for the game. I agree with that. I forgot to mention something earlier, Nate. Um, I usually have themes to the episodes, right? So <laughs> Nasty Nate Kaiser, the theme for this episode, it's a couple of different words. So consistency, toughness, and loyalty. That is the theme of this episode because I feel that in your career moves, may it be hockey, MMA, you know, just life in general, that you've been incredibly consistent, man, when you think about the amount of teams that you've played for, right? Starting right. from your first year major junior, right? Yeah. Like Plymouth Whalers, bro. Like I really want to talk about that program because that's a team in the OHL that I find is a little bit mysterious because first of all, at our time, there was only the two American teams, I believe. There was you guys in Erie, right? Yep. Erie yeah. Erie Right. Okay. So there's only two American teams. And it, it, you guys just were, were known to just like your arena was so new at the time. Remember how new and clean your rink yeah. was, bro? It was awesome. That, that, that was a thing, okay? There was rumors that you guys had like a boxing coach. Did you guys have a boxing coach? When we you were did. There? His, uh, uh, and, and gosh, his name's Kirky. Uh, great man. Uh, I have not spoke with him or heard from him in years. I hope he's doing well. So, if there's any way that uh, no, somebody knows Kirky, please tell him that Nate Kaiser said hello. Great man. Uh, used, to, used to train out of the Kronk Gym uh, in Detroit. Uh, a lot of famous boxers trained out of there. So he would come in there and he would, and I think it was very important to have a guy like that in there because, you know, you, we're young men and now fighting is back then, especially is, is relevant in the game. And it played a part and, you know, everybody had to do it at one point or another uh, in their career. So having, bringing a guy in like that who has knowledge and experience of boxing, which can translate over to the ice, just helps give guys confidence. So I think that's, that's very important, especially when you're going in there to do battle, because not everybody enjoys getting punched in the face. Not everybody enjoys that, that build up before a fight. And um, if you have confidence and you've trained something um, that can make situations a lot better. Exactly. Now I got a quick question, but you do though, right? What's that? You like the build up. I love it. I yeah, love it. There's, there's, I there's, know you do. There's nothing. There's nothing else like to compare it to. I mean, it's just like you, and and you know way better than I do. Obviously, you've you've done the job a lot longer at a lot higher level, and and more often than I ever did. But you know that feeling, like when you know you're gonna fight that night, or you know, and and you you've looked at the weekend lineup, and you're like. We've got this team rolling into town. We've got this team Saturday, and then we may be playing another game on Sunday or something along those lines. You already know in your head who's going to be in the other team's lineup, uh, the potential of, of possibly fighting, you know, multiple times. And, uh, man, it just – there's nothing – I don't know how else to describe it other than it's, it's just that – it's that gritty, that great feeling because you know not everybody's willing to do it. And, uh, and it's, it's awesome, man. I love it. I love it, it releases endorphins for you, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. If I said that word right. Yep. Yeah. At, it's at great, what man. Point, 
at what point did you realize like oh, I'm pretty good at beating people up? <laughs> like, um, you know, th- actually, the first time I ever got in a fight on the ice, and and growing up, as Sean knows, when you're playing when you're playing like peewees and stuff like that, you'll get in little scuffles with your helmets on. It's not that's not really a fight, but I think the first time I ever you know took off my helmet and dropped my gloves and had a square off with a guy. I was 15 or 16. Uh, the guy that I was fighting had just went after one of our skill guys. And the coach kind of gave me a little little boot in the butt, like, hey, when he comes out, um, go have a chat with him type deal. Get him. And I was all for it, right? And uh, so I went out there, and and I know the guy that, that I ended up fighting had a reputation that he was a, a tough kid. And I did really well for myself, and, and that kind of carried on from that point. And uh, you know, I, I was pumped to do it. I was excited to do it. And uh, afterwards, I was, you know, you know how you got that rush and uh, you just you kind of feel like you're just indestructible, whether you win or lose. You're just like you've, you've done something. You went to war and uh, something a lot of people don't want to do. And uh, it's, it's an awesome feeling, man. So from that yeah. point on, um, I, I felt confident in what I could do. And as Sean knows, like once you once you develop a little bit of a reputation as, hey, this kid's willing to do that job or this kid plays tough, he plays physical, he won't back down, then it just it just continues to go. For sure. And, and Nate, I, I just I want to add to that a little bit. Now, my friend, you, you know how well of a career that, that you had in hockey. Like, like I, I, there's very few players that I've talked to that can say, other than your first year, which was an incredible rookie pro season, bro, we're gonna get into that season in a second. <laughs> but other than that, the, the, other than that season, you you played the rest of your career, other than your AHL time, for for one team, right? Yeah. Yep. You were the guy, man, for a long time. Yeah, right? and I, I I was so fortunate to uh, to wind up here in, in South Carolina, and that's. That's still where me and my wife live. We we wound up making this home, and we made this decision uh, while while I was still playing down here that we wanted to make this our permanent residence. That we wanted to raise our children down here. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to to come to Charleston, South Carolina. If you ever do, you'll fall in love with this place, man. It is it is it is phenomenal. Uh, there there are beaches everywhere. The weather is incredible. The people are so friendly. Um, it's it's a little piece of heaven down here, uh, that's for sure, and, and we're so fortunate to call this home. But yeah, I was I was very fortunate in my career to be able to make this place, to find this place, and then to wind up making this home and spend a uh, majority of my career down here. Yes, brother, and 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 I I have a little experience of kind of being in the south to do with hockey because one of the guys that we're going to talk about a little bit is is Mr. Dan Sullivan. Who yeah. I know you had some epic battles with, bro, right? Yeah, Sully, what a and great guy, man. What a great guy. He is a great guy. And I he was the first person that I contacted when we released our poster because it's his head that you're smashing <laughs> in. <laughs> well, don't, don't, uh, you know, that was just one picture. Sully, Sully would always return fire. So I'm sure there's a couple of me receiving some on the other end. But, yeah, Sully is a great guy. Um he played the game right, very physical, very tough, never backed down. And uh, yeah, he played the game right, man. He was uh, he was always he was always a tough competitor to play against. But that was also the same same type of guy you wanted on your team because you know he wouldn't back down from anybody. He would go through the wall for your team, and and he brought it every night. Yeah, dude. And I mean, there's teams in the north and there's teams in the south. 
You know what I mean? And yeah. Charleston, South Carolina is in the South. Yep. And my buddy Dan Sullivan always played in the South. Yep. I always played in the North, right? right? So a player that plays in those Southern divisions, they know that every single time they go to South Carolina, they're going to have to see Nate, nasty Nate Kaiser. <laughs> and that was the reality and nightmares of players for seven, eight seasons, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were the guy, Nate. And, like, one of the things that I'm most curious about is because, like, I've been a part of organizations like the Buffalo Sabres where Rob Ray was the guy. Right. He was the guy for a long time. So guys like me, guys like Andrew Peters, Eric Bolton, we're, we're trying to get him to go in training camp. We want to be the guy. Right. But Razor's the guy. Nate Kaiser was the guy. You still are the guy because you're still there. But you were the guy for, like, what was it? Was it seven or eight seasons? What was it, Nate? Yeah, I played there for seven seasons. I played yeah. there for seven seasons. So, yeah. Yeah, bro. So, was there time? Was there certain camps where you had, like, a young 20-year-old, like, coming after you? Like, no, man. Like, uh, so, I, I was fortunate. I, I would, uh, you know, the early part of my career, I would, just like you would, I would, I would, be fortunate enough to go to an NHL camp and then I would get yeah. sent down to the American league and then I would get sent down to the, the ECHL. So by the time I would make it down here, they were kind of at their beginning stages of camp, but I've already been through two camps and it was, you know, it, I think it, the competitiveness at the ECHL training camp level is a lot different than when you go to an NHL or an American league camp, right? Where guys, you're trying to steal jobs at that point. Just just like you had mentioned before, Sean, you're going into camp and you're trying to take Rob Ray's job. And uh, a little bit different down here in the coast, just uh, I, I think they have they have that avenue or they, they can prove their point in preseason games. But as far as like yeah. inter-squad scrimmages and stuff like that happening, it, it really didn't happen when I was down here. Um, there were always guys that were hungry and willing to do the job. But I, I think you know, just that that competitiveness or the depth chart of guys that do that, especially at the higher levels, is 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 a lot deeper. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, and to add to that, Nate, the fact that you did have such good runs in pro camps, you were there for extra long. So by the time you got back, the roster was almost set. You right. were never there. When, when it was the first day of training camp for South Carolina, like you were at your NHL camp, AHL camp, like wherever you were, right? So yeah, until, that, and, that and might have been. Right, until later on in my career when, yeah. when you know, that I just decided that this is going to be the place where I retire. Yeah. And um, But yeah, early on in my career, you know, having the opportunity to go to those NHL camps and then American League camps and um, you, you really just, you learn so much and uh, you, you take the whole experience in and when you look back at it, uh, what a cool experience it was. Yeah, buddy. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your first year pro. Yeah. Now, you were drafted, you know what I mean, by Phoenix. You yep. know, respectable sixth rounder, right? Fifth rounder, yeah, the big money. You were a fifth rounder. Okay. <laughs> big hey, money hey, round, yeah. Hey, hey middle, of the, middle of the way That's round. Right, okay. right on. Very respectable, right? So now, obviously, there's guys that should have signed that didn't. Whatever, some guys that are undrafted that start playing pro, it's a better situation because they're not locked into that team that drafted them, so on and so forth. Bro, you start pro, okay? Where were you? You're in Dayton. Buddy, you you left a mark that season. What point of it did you get called up 
to Syracuse? Like, what point oh, of the year? Oh gosh, yeah. So I played five games. Yeah, so I, I started. I had a tryout with the Blue Jackets. Um, I had a good camp in Columbus. Uh, like we did the the uh, the rookie tournament. Uh, you would play against. I think we played against Nashville and maybe a couple other teams. And then uh, I I wound up playing a preseason game with the Blue Jackets that year. Um, Was Sugden and Shelley there? So Shelly was there. Sugden, I, Sugden had something, some sort of, like, he had just come off a suspension or something along those lines that he wasn't able. I don't know. Ex- I can't remember exactly the reasoning why he wasn't there. But Jody Shelly was the man. Uh, yeah. And then everybody was talking about this guy, Brandon Sugden, who's going to be in Syracuse, right? Um, so that was kind of like every everybody was talking about, oh, Sugden, wait until you get into Syracuse. This guy, this guy's just a straight-up killer. Um so yeah, I had had a good camp. There was another guy we had there, uh, Riley Cote was um, was yeah. in training camp there too as well. And I wound up playing with him in Dayton too as well. And unbelievable oh. dude, what a great guy! Had a great career in Philadelphia. Uh, as tough as they come, one of the toughest guys that I ever played with. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was great. So I wound up getting sent down uh, to Syracuse. Went to Syracuse. I was in Syracuse for a while. Uh, met Brandon there. Unbelievable guy. Super good dude would pick his brain about stuff uh, while I was there, and um, and then I wound up getting sent down to Dayton, and yeah, that's where I spent majority of my first year was in Dayton. So yeah, it was a it was an experience for sure. I mean, you put up great numbers, man. Like you had 15 points, right? You had 150 penalty minutes. Like like you really like deserved any AHL time that you got because you sure lit it up for a rookie, man. Like that's a rookie putting up numbers like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was fortunate enough. I had a, a core older group of guys around me too, as well. And as you know, Sean, there's a there's an adjustment period when you're going from major junior to the pro yeah. game. There is there is a major adjustment period because you're you're no longer playing with with boys uh, that aren't fully developed at that point. You're playing against men, and you're playing against yeah. men who have played this for a very long time. And uh, it's it, it's definitely an adjustment period. Uh, the game is different. It was a lot tougher. It was a lot harder. Uh, but it was awesome, man. It was fun. Yeah, dude. And I mean, like, like seriously, Nate, from from the OHL, you improved every single season, right? You got better and better. And then that first year pro, man, man, you did you did better in your first year pro than a lot of the first and second rounders that hardly get into the lineups of those AHL teams, man, like from our year. You know what I mean? Right. Like you yeah. did really, really well. Well, I so, appreciate that, man. Thank you. Oh, no, no. It's just the numbers don't lie. But, like, so so what I'm getting at here is when you were going into your second year pro, coming off such a strong first year, did you get another NHL camp that year? Because it's so never I, in the stats. Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, I think that next year I went to camp in Portland, but I don't know if that was the year of the lockout um, or there, was, there may have been something else going on, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong, but – no, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong because your your rookie year was 0304 yep. and the lockout year was 0405. Yeah. So that so, would have been your second year. So that was the NHL lockout season. Right. So yeah, I went I went directly to Portland. I was yep. in Portland, Maine there. I started the year off in Portland. Um, healthy scratched a bunch, got in a few, got in a couple of games, and then wound up their affiliation at the time was with South Carolina. So I wound up getting uh, sent down to South Carolina, like right before Thanksgiving, I think it was. So, so South Carolina was, was affiliated with Portland at the time. Yeah. So Portland was affiliated with Washington and then 
um, Washington has always had an affiliation uh, with South Carolina. So, yeah, that's kind of how that wow. all worked out. So, man, how cool is it that you ended up at Portland that year? Yeah, because, it was awesome, man. It, it yeah, was cool. bro. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because from that, from that year on, your life was, like, very consistent, brother, in one of the probably coolest towns in the U.S., man. Yeah, it was uh, – so I, like I mentioned before, I started the year off in Portland, and we, just our depth chart, there were so many good guys, uh, especially the year of the lockout. It, it was really tough to crack the lineup. No matter how hard I worked or what I did in practice, it, it just – it was very difficult to make that lineup. Well, the um, AHL every, was the NHL that year too, Yeah, Nate. everybody's depth chart was just – it was just so deep. And, uh, and like really I mentioned before, I got, just, got yeah. sent down towards the end of yeah. November – and it was like, it was wild because there was like three feet of snow up in Portland, Maine at the time. And it was freezing. They said, Hey, we need you to go down to South Carolina. You've got a game in two days. Uh, we need you down there for it. I get down there. I had never been down South before. I did not know what to expect. I was surprised that they even had a team in South Carolina, to be honest with you. So yeah. um, we get down there. It's 75 degrees. It's <laughs> completely sunny. It's just like pull up to this big arena and you're like, man, there's palm trees outside of it. You're like, this is incredible. Like, this is really, this is where I get to play hockey at? Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I pulled in, uh, it, it was pretty crazy. Me and my wife had pulled in. We, we got this driving U-Haul. We've drove 23 and a half hours. Uh, we play that night. I arrive at the arena at 4.30. I'm supposed to be there at 5, 5 o'clock. The coach meets us, takes us to our apartment, helps us unload our stuff. I go back to the rink, show up late for the meetings, play that night, go on the road for two days, and, and that's how it, how it started, man. Who was the coach? Uh, so Jason Fitzsimmons at the time was the coach. He's now a scout for the Washington Capitals. The assistant coach was Jared Bednar, who's the coach for the Colorado Avalanche. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, so I was going to ask you about, about your girl. So were you guys married at that time, or were you guys boyfriend-girlfriend at that time when you first no, went? No, so we were engaged. Me and my wife have been together since high school. And, uh, gosh, we've been married for uh, – Believe it or not, this makes me feel super old. We've been married for 14 years now, but she is my rock. Like she is, uh, she is the best woman that I know. She's incredible. The fact that you know she honestly has to put up with me on a daily basis. She's given me two beautiful boys, um, and uh, I, I could not be any luckier to have have such an incredible woman by my side. Yeah, my wife Jessica. She's just top notch. She's unbelievable. How old are your boys, Nate? So my oldest son Jackson is five. He just started kindergarten. Uh, my youngest son, Xavier, is two and a half. Complete wild man. He is, uh, he is, he is a wild man. So my He's like was, his old man. <laughs> always the second man. Always the he second. He is a wild <laughs> man. So, yeah, it's, it's, the dynamic between those two is so funny. Uh, my, my oldest was, when he was, uh, when he was a baby, he was very shy, very standoffish. Would almost get anxiety when we'd be uh, with gatherings with friends. My youngest is just, like, you turn your back for two minutes and he is just flying off the rails doing something. So it is uh best thing in the world. Uh, I, I could sit there and talk about my boys all day long. There's, there's nothing that puts a bigger smile on my face than me talking about my kids. There you go, man. So, so now did they get to see you play for South Carolina? Like, no, nope, they, no yeah, way. They, yeah, they don't know dad like that. They just, I'm just daddy. They don't know dad who played hockey. They don't know. Uh, they don't know dad who was the, the guy who fought in MMA and uh, a funny story. Uh, my son Jackson had one of his buddies out in the garage and there's, there's a poster of me, there's a poster of me playing hockey and there's a poster of me, uh, fighting in MMA and, and his buddy goes, 
Jackson, wow, is that your dad? He's pointing at the fighting photo of me. And he goes, yeah, dude, that's just my dad. Let's go upstairs. And it was like, that's not a big deal, you know? <laughs> so it was pretty yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just know me as daddy. I'm the, uh, I'm the guy they love to, uh, to play with. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. See, man, I'm, see, like, I, I, I know your oldest is five, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm forgetting how old we are now, Nate. Ah, oh, dude, it's yeah. We're 39 now, yeah, right? You're 39 already, right? Yeah, you turned 39. Not. 39, yeah. 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 So okay, so now, now, now that we're talking about the fighting, yeah. How early in your career were you training and 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 doing this hobby of of fighting, like like MMA? Like when did you start that? I didn't start until I retired from hockey. Really? And, uh, yeah. Really? So I, I never, um, I had no prior experience other than working with that, our boxing, boxing coach in Plymouth. Um, I had oh. no wrestling experience, no jujitsu, no Muay Thai, nothing. I, I went into a local gym uh, after I was done playing hockey, about six months after I retired. Walked in there, spoke with the owner, Matt Robinson. I said, hey, I've never done this before. I'm a huge fan of this. Yeah. I will work as hard as I can, but I would like to fight one day. And he said, I know exactly who you are. I used to go to Stingray's games all the time. Show up two nights from now, uh, and, and let's go from there. And uh, from that right. point on, I trained every single day. I, I never stopped training. I would train as much as I could whenever I would get free time. He would open up the gym for me on Sundays when it was closed. He's a family man. Um, and I, I, it became my passion, my hobby, and my obsession. So, yeah, that was uh, – that was it. What What was the hardest transition from? I mean, going from fisticuffs on ice, yeah, to a mixed martial arts. Is it just kind of like the well-roundedness of it? Like you got to learn a little bit of everything to actually make it in a cage, or like what What would you say the hardest part of that transition was? Literally everything. Uh, so the the first time I had ever sparred, I had never been kicked in the leg. I had never been kicked in the calf before. And uh, when somebody lays there, I don't know if you've ever had somebody's shin come down really hard on your thigh, but if you've never experienced that joy, you definitely should. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's humbling is all I can say. The first time I ever trained jujitsu, I was 225 pounds at the time. I was rolling with a guy who was 150 pounds and he wrapped me up. He had me wrapped up in 30 seconds and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get out of this but show me what I did wrong and let's go from there. Same thing with the wrestling. Um, wrestlers, if you've, if you've ever come across somebody who wrestles, like if they've grown up wrestling in high school, those guys are the hardest workers. Uh, it is impossible to outwork a wrestler because that's all those guys do is grind. I would have all American collegiate level, level wrestlers come in for my training camps, especially when I was fighting guys with a wrestling background. And those guys, they just do not stop. And you cannot outwork them. Um, so it's every aspect of it. Um, it. It's humbling. That's all I can say. It's humbling. Would you would you say that, like, I know that you said, like, you got excited about, like, the fights coming up during yeah. hockey. Like, you, you look at the card. Is it a different feeling when you're training to fight a single person? Yeah, it's 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 different. So as, as Sean knows, like, the part of the part of the the balance of of doing that job on the ice is is i mean like it just doesn't stop so like you, you could you could fight twice in a night right you're thinking about next weekend or who's going to be in the lineup tomorrow night like it just doesn't stop so 
that was such um, in, in, in reference to my transition from hockey to MMA, I felt like that was such um, it, it made me mentally so strong that, you know, you don't know who's going to be in that lineup that night. Oh shit. We've got, we've got two or three heavies on this team. Like I'm going to have my hands full tonight. And then looking down the line, you're looking at the lineups for the next couple nights. You just know what you have ahead of you right now from an MMA aspect, you're telling me I've got to focus on, one fight, one particular date for one particular person, all good, man, all good. Um, so now all I've got to do is just focus on my training, focus on my weight cut, um, focus on my surroundings, making sure that I'm doing everything that I can possibly do to make sure that I'm going into the fight healthy because you're never going into a fight healthy, especially when you go into a training camp. You are beating up your body, and then you're cutting weight. So, um, yeah, man, it's it. It's, it's awesome. But the, so, the mental aspect of it from hockey, like, as Sean knows, that, that toughens you up so much. So would yeah. you say Nate, uh, nasty Nate, was more composed as an MMA fighter than as a hockey fighter? Uh, yes, 100%. Because I had more, I had, the, the experience from hockey also carried over to MMA. Um, so, so that helps keep you composed. Um, with, with the exception of my first fight, uh, you know, my first fight, I was getting my, like, I had never been to an MMA live event before in my life. My first fight was the first time ever going to an event. So uh, the, the gentleman who was wrapping my hands, who uh, works for Bellator, uh, now, you know, he's just, uh, we're, we're talking as he's wrapping up my hands. He goes, this is your first fight. Keep in mind, you're going to have an adrenaline dump at some point during the fight. Just be aware of it sure as shit that happened uh and it's when you have an adrenaline dump in the middle of a fight in a cage not the best feeling in the world um but you've just got to work through it and every time i stepped in that cage every time i went through a training camp i gained more experience i was able to pick up on things uh that would help me even cornering guys being that close to the action that help all of that stuff helps uh forwarding your career wow that's I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if you noticed, Nate, but I'm on the edge of my seat listening yeah. to you, buddy. <laughs> Holy smokes, man! So now that we're on the MMA, let's let's just stick with it a little bit more because I'm I'm very very curious now, dude. Okay. I know one other guy, one other professional hockey player, Steve the Steve the Boss Bosse. Yeah, right. Yeah, I played against him. Yeah. You know, he did his MMA thing just like yeah. you. He was very successful, Steve Bosse. He was. So was Nasty Nate Kaiser. You had a winning record, my friend. I know that you lost your first fight, which I also know from articles that I've read that that was probably the best thing that happened to you. Can you explain that? Oh, 100%. Like if, uh, Sean, just like you know, like if, if you go into every fight and you're just smoking guys like left and right and you don't feel that adversity and then that first time you get knocked on your ass and you don't know how to rebound from it, um, that's tough. So me going into my first fight, the guy that I was fighting was 4-0. Um, he, uh, we've actually become buddies, you know, that's how it goes after fighting. You yeah. become buddies with guys and, uh, he's a badass military guy. Um, I believe he got a purple heart from war too, as well. Just, just an all around unbelievable dude. But I went in there, I threw the game plan out the window because I was so amped up. I was over amped in the moment where I was just planting my feet and throwing punches. I wasn't using angles. I wasn't using footwork. The guy that I was fighting was a very good wrestler, had really good jujitsu. So what he would do is every time I would plant my feet to throw a huge 
punch, he dropped his level, shoot in, take me down. I was off balance. I wasn't able to defend because I was planted with my feet steady and just throwing big over heavy punches. And, uh, but, but that's all learning. And, and I learned so much from that fight, um, from the mistakes that I made. And I, I think that helped me way more moving forward than if I were to just go in there my first fight and, and catch somebody early in the fight and knock them out. You don't learn as much. You don't learn about as much as you, you don't learn as much about yourself too. Uh, because when you've got to dig and you've got to dig a little deeper into hell uh, because you're in a very tough spot and mentally, yeah. sometimes it's, it's not even just physically mentally, you have to push through that barrier. I'm a, I'm I'm in a bad spot. This guy's got me up against the cage. He's got me fully mounted. He's raining down punches. I can either pack it in or I can find a way to get out of this position, get to a little bit better of a position, work to get my back up against the cage and then slowly start to work my way up the cage. So, um yeah, that's uh losing is important in anything because that's what ultimately gives you success. Wow. And then from that fight, you had a five and two professional record after the first fight. So my first fight, I lost. Uh, my next fight, I won uh, third round TKO. My the following fight after that, I won. I believe it was. Oh, I want to say that was. I won a unanimous decision, um, and then I won thirty second knockout in the first round. I think my third or fourth fight, my Jesus. fifth fight. Yeah, my fifth fight, I wound up uh, wound up losing, and and the ones that you lose are the ones that you really want to have back, right? That's like I I, I look back and, and the guy that I was fighting, tough dude, had a really good game plan. His game plan was get me up against the cage early, make me work, make me use a lot of wrestling. What happens is if if somebody's pinning you up against the cage and you're carrying all their weight for if the round's five minutes and you've got to spend two and a half three, four minutes off that cage wrestling and working for underhooks and trying to spin off that cage. Once you separate, he's done his damage because your, your arms are very heavy at this point, right? You don't have that bounce in your step. And so he did a good job the first round, pressing me up against the cage, really making me carry his weight. Took a lot of, took a lot of energy out of me. In between rounds, tried to make some adjustments, came out there. Second round, wound up getting clipped on top of the head in an exchange. And it was one of those shots. It's it's not always the hardest shot, but it just clipped me on top of the head. Next thing you know, uh, the blinds started to close, wake up, and the referee's on top of me. And you're like, well, what happened? Obviously, that wasn't good. And then, you know, you go back, you look and see what happened. And, and first and foremost, you go shake the other man's hand, tell him congratulations. Great job. Uh, you know, hopefully we can run it back again at some point. Uh, but congratulations, you were the better man tonight. And I'm a firm believer, win or lose, you go shake that man's hand because he he had enough courage to step in that cage and lay it on the line just like you did. And that's part of sports, right? It is part of sports, Nate. And and I, I appreciate that insight, man. That, that's some incredible stuff. I, I've never heard insight like that from a, a, a mixed martial artist. So so I I would like to thank you. I'm oh, sure the thanks. listeners appreciate thanks, it too. I, I, literally, I, I love it, man. It's my it's my passion. I could literally talk about it all day long. Um yeah, man, it's it was a blast. My my sixth fight um, uh, was a, was a fifteen minute war. Uh, I ended up losing uh, that one, but that was just such a fun fight, man. The guy that I was fighting, he was a southpaw, and uh, so I, I stand I stand orthodox 
So I was throwing it early on. I was throwing a lot of inside leg kicks. He was doing a great job by turning his knee in and checking him. Instead of me kicking him with my shin, I wound up catching the top of my foot. My foot just blew up. Like you couldn't even see my toes by the end of the fight. It just blew up. So we end up going 15 minutes, just a war back and forth. Great fight. And uh, I'll tell you a little side note about, about this. So my wife, she's just, she's amazing. She, there was nothing harder in the world than her watching me fight but she supported me doing it. She would literally be in tears before fights because she just didn't want me to do it. But she supported me because I needed her support. There was no way I could do it without her support. It's, it, it just doesn't work that way. So I go after the fight, lose a decision. I, uh, the promotion has me go to the hospital to get x-rays, uh, x-ray on my foot. We're hanging out there. No after party. Usually we have a really big after party. I have a bunch of friends and, and buddies that come down, old hockey guys. Yeah. We would have the biggest crowd at, at wherever the fight was. We would always have the biggest crowd. So after party, I'm not there because I'm in the I'm in the uh, I'm in the hospital getting X-rays. So we we finally make it back to the hotel, and it's probably two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And my wife's helping me to get to the get to the shower because at this point the adrenaline's wore off. Right, I've been in a fight for fifteen minutes. And uh, I've, I've had this guy's shin up across my head. You know, he's unloaded punches. We've, we've taken a little bit out of each other's soul in those 15 minutes, right? So she's helping me into the shower. I, I'm beat to shit. My body's just been through it. And she's just crying. And she's just, she can't stop crying. She's like, Nate, why do you do this? And, and the only thing that I could tell her is because I love it. I love doing this. And... Uh, and it was difficult for her to hear, but I think that's what all she needed to hear. And, uh, you know, got healed back up. Next two fights, wound up winning by first-round knockout. And and then I had kids. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it, man. But it's uh, – what a ride. So much fun. Yeah, dude. And, like, that's, and like, that's what I was going to ask you next. Like, I mean, so here's a guy, you know, big and strong, nasty Nate Kaiser. He's got a nice winning record in his, in his uh, professional career of MMA. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's got to be a reason, you know, for to stop that career. And again, man, from another article that I read, I, I think it was when, you're, you're set, when she was pregnant with your second, you promised her that you would stop? With, with my first. So my last with your first. Fight, yeah, my, my last fight, my wife was eight and a half months pregnant. Um, so yeah, we, we had made an agreement um, prior to our son being born that uh, once once our son Jackson was born that I was done fighting. Um, just it, it's it's to fight is a full time commitment. Like I, yeah. I was training twice a day every day. Like my my Sundays, my day off was going and working with a trainer, working specifically explosive band movements, uh, explosive movements, um, a lot of body weight movements. That was my day off. That, that didn't include all the jiu-jitsu training, wrestling, uh, MMA training, everything else that went into it. So on top of that, I'm a business owner. So you mix all that together. You don't have much free time. There is nothing more important in this world to me than being a father. And I am going to spend every free moment that I have with my boys because it goes by so quick. And, and I want to see my boys grow up. And I, I want to spend time with them. And I want to be playing with them. And I want to as soon as I get home, I want them to be happy to see me in. And I still train to this day because I love training and it's part yeah. of me. Uh, but yeah, just being a dad was my most important priority at that point. Now, don't get me wrong. If my wife said, hey, Nate, 
I'm cool. Let's ride with it one more time. I'm in. I'm in. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Manifestation, my friend. Right, right, right. It's just, it's in me. It's never left me. I don't know if it will ever leave me. Uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat because I love it so much. But my first and foremost priority is, is being a dad to my boys, Jackson and Xavier. Um, and there's nothing else in the world I'd rather do. That's awesome, bro. I love hearing it, man. I Thank love you. hearing it. Thank you. Thank there's you. Not, there's not enough strong fathers out there, man. And so to hear someone that's that passionate about being a father, not even about this, that, being a father, that, that's cool to me, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's, there's nothing else greater in this world uh, to me than just, just being a dad. It's, it's the best title in the world for sure. Right on, bro. How much is your training cut back? Obviously, you're not training for to go into the ring and fight, but right? you're still yeah, training. Yeah, so now, now my, a lot of my focus is on jiu-jitsu. I've really, since I've, since I've retired from fighting, I've, I've really focused on jiu-jitsu. My goal one day is to, is to eventually get a black belt. I'm a two-stripe purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now, and it's, 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 it's so challenging. It's so much fun. It's like a game of human chess. And you can go, the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu is you can go as hard as you want or you can go as light as you want. When I was training MMA, you know how it is, Sean. So, like, if I can make a reference to training in MMA to hockey. So, we play hockey. We play games. When we practice, we're not playing games. We're not scrimmaging, right? You're, you're breaking up drills uh, for specific things. You're practicing power play, penalty kill, D-zone, all of that stuff. Same thing with MMA. You can't just spar every day because you're just going to – you're going to obviously just kill yourself. Yeah. You're not going to get any better. Um, and, and it's tough to make improvements if you're just, if you're just playing hockey all the time, playing games and you're not practicing, how are you going to get any better? Same thing with MMA, right? So you've got to have those days where you just separate stuff, break things up. Um, I still do some pad work. Uh, I still bang on the bag all the time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still there. I still love it, but my training now compared to when I was fighting, uh, completely different. So do, is there any uh, jujitsu tournaments in uh, Nate's future? Here? Yeah, so I, 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 I am definitely going to compete in a jujitsu tournament uh, one of these days. My, 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 uh, my jujitsu coach is, you know, he's always like, he's, a, he's actually in Orlando right now competing in an event. Uh, he's, he's a high-level black belt, uh, fought in the UFC eight times uh, in the lightweight division. And, uh, yeah, he's a bad, bad man. Uh, What's but, his yeah, name, he's, Nate? He's over, go ahead. What's his name? His name is Rafaelo Oliveira. So he fought at uh, 155 in the UFC. Uh, yeah. Fought there eight times. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen one of his fights. Bro. Yeah, he's 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 yeah. he's a machine, man. He's awesome, and uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he's he's kicked my ass a lot in the gym. And uh, my 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 old head coach uh, Matt Robinson too. I have to give so much credit to him too as well because he spent so much time with me and working on my skills and helping me develop and taking so much time. So, and all the guys that I train with, man, it's just like a team, uh, just like a hockey team too, as well. Those, those guys, those are your brothers. Those are the guys that push you. Those are the guys that go to war with you. Um, and it's just like hockey, man. That's, uh, that's the beautiful thing about sports and about hockey, man. You know how it is, Sean, like those guys, when you put on that Jersey, those are your brothers. Those are the guys that you protect. Those are the guys that you go to war for and, and you would do anything for, right? That's right, man. And you, yeah. You're speaking the words of a true warrior right there, brother. Well, nobody knows it better than you, that's for sure, man. <laughs> uh, I, I've enjoyed, I, I, I've really enjoyed watching your career, man. And, uh, dude, you are hands down. 
as far as my era goes, that 82 era, you know, the toughest guy without question, if you ask me, I mean, you've, you've done it more than anybody. Uh, your, your win, win percentage or your win record is, uh, has got to be up there with one of the, one of the highest win percentages, you know, across the board. I appreciate that dude. And, and I, I just want to add to that because our age group, like we have a lot of guys, John nasty Morasti. Yeah. I believe. I believe because he's an 82 as well. Is he an 82? Okay, yeah. Right on. Oh, yeah. 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 I, mean, I believe. Nate takes it back. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, you guys, you guys, I've seen the epic battles. You guys, um, I, I don't know John. I just know of John. And man, the, the body of work that that guy has too, as well, is, is second to none as well. That, I yeah. mean, they do, I don't think they make anybody tougher than that guy uh too as well but yeah you you two guys are you guys are right there man and you guys have had some incredible battles too as well and they've been as a as a fan because i'm a fan man like i i i love i love watching the guys fight like trevor gillies is a good buddy of mine i i love watching trevor fight like technically he's so good and how he protects himself and he's a lefty and his grab is so important and i i've yeah. really enjoyed be, you know picking his brain and, and listening to him talk and um, you know, another guy speaking of MMA, Mike Scroy, who, who does a lot of great stuff, um, in not only in MMA, but with youth hockey, uh, yeah. um, as far as developing children, helping coach, train guys, uh, like that guy, his knowledge for not only hockey, but MMA is just off the chart too, as well. So those, those two guys, uh, I have so much respect for, and uh, again, I'm, I'm a fan. So I, I love watching the guys. I love watching the old fights and, uh, and watching the guys go at it. Yeah, bro, for sure. I I, I think that John Morasti is the most entertaining fighter in our age group. Yeah. And 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 right at the top of the toughest. Another guy in our age group, Colton Orr. Oh, he's shit, another yeah. 1982. Yeah, yeah. He's so he's, tough too. Nate, he's the only guy that I haven't fought, man. Oh, of really? The 82s. Yeah, man. We're, we're I trying never to line it up. <laughs> he, yeah, he was in Providence when I was yep. in Rochester, and you know how the AHL works. Yeah. Some teams never play each other because they only play each other in their divisions, right? Yeah. Like Syracuse yeah. and Rochester play each other twelve times, but right. Rochester will never play Providence. Yeah. What? Yeah. What a legend he is, too, man. Like, and what a career he had in the NHL, and that guy yeah. just throws straight heat. And uh, but yeah, man. Like, uh, I tell you what, that's. For an 82 age group, you know, you've got you, Morasti, Colt Nord, like, yeah. that is... Another like, one is is the boogeyman. The boogeyman. Uh, 82? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. You know what? 82 is, is really... I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, has really stepped up. Yeah. Bad the men depth goes, man. Than I didn't realize that. Yeah. What, yeah. And what a legend he is, too, as well. God bless his soul, Derek. Yeah, how tragic is that? And, uh, yeah, yeah, man, but what, what, a, what a legend, and... Yeah, so you, you've got some great company up there with you for sure, man. And, and from what I understand, I saw on your uh, saw on your Facebook that you're you're going back for another year. Yeah, dude. Okay, well you're asking me. So so yeah, no, I I got a contract offer from a different team in the LNAH, uh, Riviere de Loup. Okay. They are one of the powerhouses in, in the LNAH, but the gentleman that runs the show there, Carl Boucher. He's actually the guy that started everything for me. He's the guy that recruited me to the league the first time I went when Sugden would first went there. Yuri Moshevsky and all these guys were coming from the AHL. Yep. And 
And Carl Boucher was like my agent. He was also my agent, Nate, because you know how you've been to a, a few NHL camps. Right. I was lucky enough to go to three camps, right? So I got to go to Chicago and Edmonton as well. Right. And the Edmonton camp, this Carl Boucher guy was my agent. He got me to that camp. Awesome. You know, when I was like 28, 29 years old, right? I went yeah. to that, right? right. So it, it's pretty cool, man, that this guy, he's, he's signing me. I think there's another tough guy there, so it's not a lot of pressure. And I'm just excited to get another opportunity, bro, because it's always good to be wanted, right? Man, that is awesome. Like, uh, congratulations. That, that's great, man. And, and uh, what an absolute warrior you are. <laughs> you have done it for as long as you have, as many times as you have, and to still have that fire and that desire to want to do it, man. I, I've, got, I've got so much respect for you. I think it's incredible that you're doing it. And I wish you the best of luck this year. And, man... Do it as long as you can, man, because we're not getting any younger, right? So uh, I appreciate it. But, Nate, I'm not. not married. I'm not married, bro. So there's no one to, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's different for me. Like, I'm a big kid, bro. I'm 39 years old, buddy. I act like I'm 25. That's Kyle awesome. could tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm still a big kid, Nate. I, 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 know, I know you are, too. I know you're the dad and you're responsible the other thing I want to get into, I want to, I want to get into the stuff that you got going on now because I know that you're a big businessman too. But before that, bro, I got to talk to you about the 07-08 season with South Carolina, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that season, Nate, it was the best season of your career, bro. I mean, you almost had 30 points, bro, that year. <laughs> yeah, crazy. 200 penalty minutes, 20 playoff games. Well, did you guys win it that year? How far did you guys go that year, man? No, so that, that year we did not win it. I think we I think that year we wound up losing in the second round. In 2009, we won the, the Kelly Cup championship. We beat Alaska in game seven in Alaska. Um, but wow. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was incredible, man. That was, what an unbelievable run. We had a, we had a great team. Uh, Jared Bednar uh, was our head coach at the time. Kale McLean, who is now an assistant in Calgary, was our assistant coach. Um, yeah, we had we had a great team, great group of guys, and to win it in the fashion that we did win it was was unbelievable. So yeah. Was uh, Hans Benson in Alaska? Uh he was not that year. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think who um, I can't recall who their who their heavy was at the time. Uh, but That's yeah, all right. I don't think it was him. I, I don't. Yeah, think there, there, it, it wouldn't have been a factor in the finals anyway. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we had we had a great year, but uh, rewinding back to uh, I, I think '07, you you had mentioned before in reference to that. I, I'm assuming that there was a lot of uh, third assist added onto that point. <laughs> so, well, dude, I mean, the '07 '08 year, yeah, you had 20 games played in the playoffs. The year that you guys won it, you had 17 games. So. Yeah. You must have went further than the second round, my friend. Oh, yeah, maybe we uh, twenty games, Nate. So that's yeah. three seven games, a seven, a seven, and a six. Yeah, I'm not sure. So maybe we came up short. Conference finals, bro. Yeah, conference finals. Maybe that that might have been the year that we lost to Cincinnati in the conference. Okay, finals. right on. Um, yeah, solid so, year. But yeah, it was. Uh, we had a couple really good runs, and in, in the fact that I was able. To be part of a team that won a championship, you know, regardless of the level, is 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 amazing, man. We we had such such good chemistry. Um, Alaska, real quick, Alaska had home ice advantage. So first two games were in Alaska, next three were in Charleston. Uh, so we split in Alaska. We go back to Charleston. 
we wind up winning games three and games four. So we go up three games to one in the series. We have a chance to win it game five at home. Place is sold out. Like, like the media surrounding that game was incredible. Just the, the vibe, the environment was just off the chain. It was awesome. I, I flew my dad into town. Um, and, and just like, it, I, I can't explain the, the, the feeling that we had going into that. It was so great. We ended up losing in double overtime at home. Oh. So now we've got to go. We've now we've got to go all the way back to Alaska. Right. And, uh, so we, it, it, it takes the, takes the wind out of your sails, but we had really good leadership. Our coaching was just top notch. We never, we never veered off track game six. We go to Alaska and, and the crazy thing about Alaska was it's an Olympic sheet. So you, well, yeah. that's the only team in the league that has an Olympic sheet. So there's a yeah. bit of an adjustment there. Right. And, yeah. uh, so we go up there <laughs> within, within the first, five, 10 minutes of the game, we're up two to nothing. We're like, man, like just take the crowd completely out of it. We wind up losing. I think we wound up losing like four to two, maybe with an empty net or something along those lines. So going to game seven and it's just like, like both teams, like, just like, like they're like this, right? Like you've been to war against this other team for six games. Now it, it, it doesn't matter. It's coming down to one game, game seven, sold out arena in Alaska. This place is just like, going off the chain like everybody's just banging on the glass like just you could like i don't even know how to describe the feeling Cut that i had before that game. Knife. yeah it was, it was so intense and uh did yeah, fans wanted, fly up from south carolina to that game a few it, it was, it was it's a booster long club like hardcore people coming just yeah. <laughs> it, it was a couple like when i say a yeah. couple i mean there yeah. was like three people on the ice with us after we won, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's a long trip, and it was a last minute thing because you know nobody had pre-planned a, yeah. a trip to Alaska, not knowing how the series was going to go. But it really didn't matter, man. It was it was so cool to win it. You go in somebody else's backyard and you win a championship, man. It was awesome, and uh, yeah, we 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 partied hard, and uh, it, you know I I want I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. It was awesome. And it, and you picked a hell of a place, like a beautiful yeah. place to win a championship, Alaska. A lot of people <laughs> never even get to go there. You go there and win a hockey championship. Man, it was it was wild. I'd never been to Alaska. You come out of the game, it's 11, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. It's still daylight. You're like, yeah. What, <laughs> what is going on here? So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was cool, man. It was so much fun. I mean, talking to guys like my buddy Sully, did you guys take the – ferry and then like how did it work how did you guys get there did you guys fly to vancouver and then take a, up to alaska like sully was telling me something about a ferry in the in the trip no we didn't well so we didn't take a ferry we were split up into two different um we, they split the team up into two different uh travel patterns so like we would fly from here to detroit detroit to minneapolis minneapolis uh to alaska or right on. one of the legs may have been like Minneapolis to um, Seattle and then Seattle over to Alaska, something along those lines. It was a long trip, man. I hate flying. It terrifies me. Um, not a big fan of it whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, man, it was, it, it, it was wild. It was fun, man. Yeah, man. I, I hear you, Nate. And like, I mean, just going back to kind of the more beginning of the show. I mean, my mom just walked by me, man. Mom, I got to tell her little Caesars and Detroit CompuWare. This gentleman played for both of them. Right, Hello. we were talking about it, Nate. I'm telling yeah. you, is that is that your wife there? 
She she just walked in and opened. Oh, the door okay, and no, I just want to see if she was gonna say hello, man. The oh, rock, no, I, nasty just, Nate Kaiser. Just opening and closing the door real quick. Right on. Yeah, because she she's welcome to say hello, man. Any rock of nasty Nate Kaiser is welcome on the show. I, I'm uh, I think she was just putting the boys to bed. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just there, bugging but. you, buddy. So hey, so listen. So now, when you decided that you were gonna hang them up. Man, they they really appreciated you in South Carolina, bro. Like, I don't get to talk to too many people that are in Hall of Fames. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what? The organization was very classy, and uh, and they said that we want to induct you into the Hall of Fame at the uh, the first game of the of the season, and it was, man, it was awesome. Like, they, so they, they brought me and my wife out. Like, they had this Corvette. They drove us out to center ice. I had my family in town, uh, so my parents were in town. My grandparents were in town, and, uh, you know, they gave me a framed jersey. There's a banner up there along with uh, the other alumni with my name on it, and Man, it, it, it was – I. if you ask me, I'm not deserving of it. I was just a guy who was a team guy. I tried to be a leader. I tried to do whatever I could to help the team win. I, I wasn't concerned about individual stats. I wasn't concerned about, um, you know, my personal numbers or anything along those lines. My focus was just being the best uh, teammate that I could possibly be. And then as the older I got was helping the younger guys too as well because that's super important, especially when you have a young guy who's coming in Let's just say you have a guy who's a, a higher draft pick who's in, in from Washington, like a Washington draft pick. He's, yeah. he's deflated because he's in the coast. You know, you got to kind of take it upon yourself to say, hey, listen, it's up. You can choose your own path here, but you've got to put in the work, too. If you want to get up to Hershey and then you want to get up to Washington, like it's not just going to happen. You have to work. And uh, so I, I really would try to take that role as as far as helping the younger guys and, and, you know, showing them the direction that they need to go to, especially with the pro game. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I'm sure when, when South Carolina had their year end meeting and they're thinking of what veterans to bring back, I'm sure your name was secured first. We got to bring Kaiser back. Like, <laughs> like, were you, were you like, how did it work? Like you played there for so long, Nate. So right. when yeah. did they commit you? Like when, did they say to you, okay, we know you're probably going to get invites and stuff, but could you at least commit to us if you're not going to be playing, signing an American League deal? They yeah, well, so I had told Jared Bednar after, hmm, I forget what season, maybe it was the 2007 season that, you know, me and my wife are getting married this summer. Our plan is we want to move down here, buy a house and make this our permanent residence. And he said, I can help you with that. We'll make that happen if that's the route that you want to do. Me and my wife got married that summer, went on our honeymoon, came down here to Charleston. I wasn't at any other American League camps or anything along those lines. And we went house hunting, found a house. And, and at that, from that point on, this was permanent. And that's where you are right now? This is our third house here, but yes. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. We've, okay. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, this is our <laughs> third house that we've built, and, and this is the last one. We're not... We're not doing anytime soon uh, ever again. So, yeah. Wow. yeah. Good for you, Nate. Yeah, I've been, been very fortunate. We've, uh, this place has been so special to us and so good to us and the people down here. We've, we've made so many, so many lifelong friends and people that we consider family down here. And uh, I, I couldn't be more fortunate. Now, what's that famous beach that's in your town, man? So there's the Isle of Palms and then there's Folly Beach. So there's two beaches that are extremely popular. Isle of Palms, I would consider the most popular. Um, you know, spring break gets pretty, pretty, uh, 
wild? Pretty, yeah, pretty wild down here. So uh, we actually live, uh, we live about five minutes from the beach and, and me and my wife were big beach, uh, big beach people. We love the beach. Our boys love the beach. And uh, yeah, that's kind of our weekend thing. So let's go to the beach, hang out, relax, have some fun and uh, keep an eye out for sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Was Jaws, no, that was Florida, right? Was Jaws ever, um, Jaws, was it filmed a little bit in South Carolina? Or? Sure, I don't know the background of that movie, but I tell you what, man, there are like, there are some, some big sharks, like in, in Hilton Head, <laughs> um, in North Carolina and stuff like that. I mean, there, there are great whites everywhere. It's, it, if you focus on it too much, you probably never want to go in the water again, but you know, you just don't go too far in there. Be cautious of your surroundings. And, um, yes, yeah. this, is, this is why I don't do boats in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do. He's yeah. afraid of planes. I'm afraid of boats in the middle yeah. of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So now Nate, I'd like, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the beach, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Back like in the day. Yeah. Like a yeah. paradise. Right. Yeah. So th there's a scene in that movie when Leonardo DiCaprio he's he's on his own and then a, and then a shark comes up man and and he, and he and he's telling the story while you see it in the movie and he's like me and the shark looked each other in the eye and it was either me or him and he and he puts a he puts a knife right up in him so now nasty Nate Kaiser yeah versus the great white man <laughs> what are you doing to it Nate you some MMA background. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you doing to the shark? Yeah, I'm I'm wrapping him up. I'm taking his back and I'm choking him out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you heard it here. Folks. That's what you do. Let's that's let's hope it never comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that's funny though. But um, but dude, so okay, so um, where did you guys go on your honeymoon? Uh, me and my wife went to St. Lucia. It was awesome, man. It was. Oh. Uh, we, we did we did one of those all inclusive resorts, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was awesome, man. We just, you know, <laughs> I think we were there five. My memory's awful, but I, I want to say we were there for like five nights, and it was so much fun. Mommy and Daddy are definitely due for another. Uh, definitely due for another vacation. It's been a long. Or manifestation. Uh, I, I yeah. love it, buddy. Yeah. I love it. Hey, yeah, so is she yeah. the same age as us? Uh, she's two years younger than me. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, bro. So, okay. So, but right now is the team. Now let, let's talk about your business. Can you, can you tell us about like what you do right now? Yeah. So yeah. I've owned a, uh, I've owned a gutter business for 14 years. I start me and another gentleman started it while I was still playing. Um, and then wow. I, I, yeah, I bought him out. I bought him out about seven years ago, and his name is Jason Fitzsimmons, and he's he's a scout for the Washington Capitals. He used to be my head coach. We started it together, and like I had mentioned before, I bought him out roughly seven years ago. We're still really good friends, but he's he's got his full-time gig um, yeah. with the Capitals, right? He's got an unbelievable job, and he's been with the team for a very long time. He was there when they won the Stanley Cup. He's got a ring. He had the night with the Cup. He brought it to Charleston, um, so yeah. yeah, awesome stuff, and yeah, I've been a business owner for 14 years, man, and uh, it, it's great. There's, you know, I'd, I'd rather be the man carrying the ship than listen to somebody else who's steering the boat. And uh, I've, I've got six guys that work for me, um, and, and they're all great guys. They work hard. You know, being a business owner, they, it always has its challenges. So, um, but I've been, I've been very fortunate. I've worked extremely hard. Um, being a business owner, it never stops. You never turn it off. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I couldn't be happier. And I, I, again, very fortunate. 
Is nice. there a place where people can find your business, uh, Facebook or anything? No, man. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I'm sure we, we have, we do have a website. It's been very outdated, but I, I've just been so fortunate. I have a number of contracts with new construction builders. I work with a lot of custom home builders. I, I, you know, I don't have to advertise. And uh, again, just, just, just very fortunate. So now, Nate, when I was doing my research, brother, I, I did read that your company has actually not, not necessarily benefited, but you guys have not slowed down from COVID, have you? No, we've been uh, so very fortunate. Uh, you know, COVID was very difficult on a lot of business owners, especially in the food and beverage industry. A lot of businesses have taken hits. Um, you know, I've been so fortunate during this uh, during this time where we've been able to continue on in, in my my schedule. The 14 years that I've owned this business right now may be the busiest that I've ever been. Um, so COVID brought a little bit of a pause to it, but the good thing is everything that we do is is outside so it's not like we're inside uh you know working drywall or working around a bunch of people in an enclosed environment everything that we do is exterior so yeah we've been we've been so fortunate and you know one of the big responsibilities and the things that you take on when being a business owner is that you now have people that work for you that have families and you know you're not only responsible for your family but their family too as well because they've got to be able to have a steady paycheck they've got to be able to provide for their family and and guys entrust in me and I, and I, I take great responsibility to that. Do you look at your company as, as a team similar to a hockey team? Absolutely. Yeah, man, you have to, because, uh, there, there's times, so I have it separated into two different crews. Um, but there's times where those crews on really big projects, we all have to work together. Uh, and it's important for just like any team, um, you know, you could be the best player on the team, have the worst attitude and really disrupt that group. Right. Answer. Or you can have a bunch of guys that work extremely hard that are willing to go through the wall with one another that create yeah. a good work environment. And that's what we do. And that's what we try to do. I mean, man, Charleston is no joke in reference to the heat. It gets so hot down here. It is, you know, you're a hundred degrees plus with the heat index, in really? July and August, and you're working outside. So um, what about right now, Nate? Yeah, today today was like the last you know, week or so. What's with, the with temperature? The, with, it was 90 degrees today with the heat index. It was probably over 100 degrees outside today. So um, yeah, yeah, you've got to have you've got to not only be able to work hard, but you've got to have a positive attitude too as well. Because at the end of the day, guys are tired, guys get grumpy, and it's it's important to keep that morale up and keep guys going and. And the one thing that I found being a business owner is I, I go out there and work with one of my two crews every single day. I'm out there with them. I'm out there moving ladders. Yeah. I'm out there doing whatever I have to do is guys will guys will do whatever you ask as long as you're not asking them to do something you won't do yourself. So if if I'm not willing to get up on a 40 foot ladder and, and hang a piece of gutter, then how am I supposed to tell this guy to do that? You know, um, so I, I, I lead by example. Uh, I go out there. If there's anything overly difficult or a little, a little bit, you know, not too safe, I'm the one that I make sure that I that it gets taken care of. And again, all responsibilities about part of being part of a business owner and a leader. That's leaders, it, buddy. Leaders lead. That's, that's right. The, yeah. that's the most important thing right there. Leaders yeah. lead. Yeah. And the best boss is the guy that's willing to do anything for the business. Absolutely, man. Any yeah. job. Yep. Yeah, right. No, nobody, nobody wants to. Uh, nobody wants to work for an asshole. Sorry for my language, but yeah, that's nobody, okay, buddy. Yeah, nobody wants to work for uh, somebody who doesn't appreciate what they do. And and I try to make sure that I show my guys appreciation every day. I tell them 
good morning every day I see them and I tell them thank you for the hard work at, at the end of every single day. And if, if my guys ever need me for anything, uh, I, I'm there to help them in any way that I can. Wow. So now I know that you've given us a lot of time here, Nate, and we really appreciate it, buddy. But I, I wanted to squeeze just a couple more questions out of you, brother. Absolutely. Now, as far as the MMA goes, yeah. what's your advice for a guy that shares the same passions as you, bro, that a guy that loves it, what should he do? Should he start training like a certain mixed martial art now and get that going? Or like, like, like what does one do that wants to do what you did? So you, you have to, you have to be well-rounded in everything. It's not like the old UFC one, two, and three where, holy cow, did you see this Brazilian guy wearing a gi who went in there and just choked everybody out? Or you've got a guy who goes in there with one boxing glove, or you know you've got the the street fighter guy. <laughs> like it's 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 not one dimensional. These guys are incredible athletes. These guys train multiple times a day. Like if if you're not willing to devote all of your time and your energy to it, and you're not open to expanding uh, your game and and taking knowledge, train with different people, then there's just too many people out there that are willing to do it. You have to like, you have to love doing it. It has to be your passion. When I, my last fight, I fought for $1. That was my contract. $1. I fought in the parking lot of a strip club. I don't care where I'm fighting. As long as I'm fighting, I don't care who's there. I just wanted to fight. I wanted to compete. I believed in myself. I believed in my skill set was better than the man that I was standing across. And if I lost, it was my responsibility to figure out what happened, go back to the drawing board and figure out what I can do to correct those issues. And I think that's the same in life because just, just like I'll teach my boys, there's going to be points in life where you're not going to have success. You're going to go down a downhill slope. Things are going to be difficult, but it's the guy who pushes through that. It's the guy who has the mental stability and the strength to be able to push through something along those lines and say, I'm not going to give up on my dreams. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to push through it. This is my goal. I'm not going to stop no matter what anybody says. And same thing with fighting because, you know, as Sean knows, it's not a joke. Like in a hockey fight, you're getting punched in the face. Really bad stuff can happen. You can hit your face off the ice and that could change your career or your, or your life. Right. Same thing in MMA. It doesn't take much. Um, somebody's shin could go right upside your head. Uh, you've got elbows coming down on your face. Um, somebody could rip your arm off. Uh, you look at the guys like, like Conor McGregor, for example, his leg just snapped in half. Chris Weidman, same thing happened to him. Like that stuff will change your life. And these are the things that you have to be aware of. But at the same time, if you go into a fight worrying about that, it's going to be a bad outcome. You, you can't go into it's Sean, you know, you know, more, you know, way more than I do when it comes to the hockey side of things. Like if you go in as much as you fought in the, the, the tough guys that you fought, if you went in there and you weren't confident in your abilities and what you could do, there's no way you would have had the success that you, you have had and that you continue to have with it. Yo, hundred percent. Like you have to believe that you're the man. And if you don't, then you have no business being in that position. You yeah. have to have the confidence and it takes, and like I, like I, this one interview that I saw of you, bro, I just, I just want to just add this one last thing. You know, you, you were saying that it takes a certain type of person to step into the squared circle, to step into a boxing ring, to step into any type of combat, you know, ring, man, I, I posted a picture of, of you and a guy at war in the octagon 
do you know the one I'm talking about where you guys are all bloodied up and yeah. and you're just like, you know, I, I made a decision and this and that, bro. My man, I was just going from that, bro. Just reading what you wrote about that, that's yeah. the that's real talk right there, bro. Can you just talk about what it takes to get in there, man? What type of person that really is? Because I'll tell you, it's not it's not the 99% of the people out there. 100%. So the thing that you have to keep in mind, and, and Sean, you know this too, man. You, you've done the job for a very long time. When it comes to MMA, a lot, a lot of bad things can happen, right? That's why we train so hard. That's why you have to be knowledgeable in so many positions um, in, in so many different avenues. Um, you also have to have the mental strength. I, like, I, I know the chances of what could possibly happen to me when I go into that cage. I accept that. I also know what I'm willing to do to another man in order to achieve victory. And I have no problem doing that. I have no problem. One of my fights, I knock this guy out with a left hook. He falls to the ground. We train in MMA to go until the referee stops. I jump on top of him, knee on belly, and I just continue to rain down punches until the referee pulls me off of him. Fight's over. I'm a human again. That man is unconscious. He's been stretchered out of the out of the cage. I am a human. I don't like to see that. At the same time, as bad as it sounds, I'm willing to do that to win. So it sounds horrible, right? But from a competitive standpoint, as competitors, and Sean, you 100% have that in you too as well. We, we are willing to go to war, sacrifice our bodies in order to achieve victory too as well. That's right. And and the way that I look at it, Nate, just to add to that spice, is we love the battle. Yeah. It's the battle is really what it's about, man. Right. The build-up, the battle, the aftermath, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Maybe equal. Right. Right? It's the battle. That's what it is, man. And it's you're 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 in your own head saying can I really do this? Can I really beat this man? Am I really doing this? Am I really, am I really fighting him tonight? Or am I really making that walk to the cage? Absolutely. Fuck. I love it, man. There's <laughs> like that outside of my children being born, there is no other excitement that gets me going like that. And making that walk to a cage and then walking in that cage and staring at that man across from you and letting him know that I am coming to take your head off no matter what. And I can do it for longer than you can. And no matter what you throw at me, I'm going to continue to press forward and, and, and bring it on you too as well. And then at the end of the fight, regardless, win or lose, you shake that man's hand, tell him good job. You both left it in the cage. And, and that's part of the battle, man. And, and, and Sean, as, as you know, it's with me, it was, it, it's never personal, whether it's on the ice or it was in the cage, it was never personal. It's, it's a job on the ice or it's a job in the cage, right? My job is to, on the ice, protect my teammates. And if that means I have to fight somebody to protect them, that's what I'm going to do. And same thing in the cage. My job is to fight that man. Whatever I have to do to achieve victory, that's what I'm going to do. Because two men enter, and there's only one man that's going to come out with his hand raised, right? And you want it to be you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I got a question for you, though, Sean. You did this. You've done this for so long. Your mentality, like... You still get the nerves, like as as much as you've done it, especially the league that you've played in. Like do you, like you still get the nerves before the games, before the fights. Like what what is your routine like? Lots of nerves, 
lots of anxiety. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that's with it, but the love of the battle overrides it. Right. I'm nervous before every game, before every tilt, but right when like, let's say it's going to be starting face off beginning of the game. Okay. So there's national anthem. Oh man, this is, Oh Jesus. Something else, man. And you know, the endorphins are going national anthems over. Oh man, it's about to get going here. (laughs) And then if I'm not excited enough, you know what I do, Nate, I'll just, I'll start talking to myself. I'll say, but you're going to let this guy try to end your career. Yeah. You're going to let this guy think that he could beat you right now. Yeah. Right. And then I'll yeah. look at him and I'll be like, that's the guy. It's fun, but, but man, it's uh, it, like, like you said, the love of the battle, like, like that's what it is, dude. In the beginning of this episode, Nate, what did I say? We're going to be getting some insight from a real fighter. Buddy, you gave about triple the amount of info (laughs) that I thought I was going to get out of you. You gave insight of a hockey fighter, insight of a professional mixed martial artist. Buddy, I appreciate this so much. Kyle, have you ever gotten info about that from a fighter, buddy? No, man, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of listening back to this episode. That's for sure. I can get on some tangents about it. Again, it's just it's something I'm passionate about. And, uh, and, and Sean, talking to guys like you, man, it's I, I always because I have so much respect for you and the job that you've done and admiration for the success that you've had in the level that you've done it at. It, it just uh, I always enjoy talking to those guys because. You know, those guys, I look at you guys, you know, up here and in the job that you guys have done. And uh, it, it's awesome, man. I, I've enjoyed talking with you and be able to pick your brain and hear your stance about it, too, as well. Because, um, yeah, it's it's awesome because I'm a fan at the end of the day. I, I love I love the guys who are willing to go to battle. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome, buddy. Well, Nate, like, like I said, bro, we've known each other for a very long time. We've never met. I know this is virtual, buddy, but man, I feel, I feel like we've known each other our whole lives. Now that I've talked to you for an hour and 45 minutes, bro, we're buddies now. We got each other's number, man. I'm going to be bugging you now, man. (laughs) You got the sheriff on your side now, buddy. Listen, man, you, you stay in touch and, uh, uh, I've enjoyed talking with you, getting to know you too, as well, man. I I'm, I'm proud of you for, for not only your, your, your hockey career uh, and all the good things that you've done in that, but the fact that you've, you've expanded out to another lane and you're, you're now bringing uh, more awareness to guys that have done the job. Like, man, you had, you had the original sheriff, Scott Parker. I believe you had Darren McCarty, Cam Jansen, Brandon Sugden, Mike. Scroisey. Yeah. You've had Alex Penner. Yeah. You've had like, Sully. Yeah, for people to be able to hear these guys' stories and hear these guys talk, a lot of people, you know, haven't had the opportunity to hear those stories. And uh, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing and continue to do it, man. You have my full support. Man, we, we, we really appreciate that, buddy. That's a great compliment from Nasty Nate Kaiser. <laughs> and I want to I wanna thank the listeners for tuning in again to another episode of The Sheriff with special guest Nasty Nate Kaiser. Gave us some of the best insight in fighting, guys, that I've ever heard, buddy. Thank you very much, Nate. Kyle, what do you have to say for this specimen of a man? <laughs> I, I i really appreciate this episode man you you were awesome and you answered everything like way more than i thought you were going yeah. to i mean like it was just it, very insightful i truly Thank appreciate you. the openness you yeah, should be a public speaker nate 
Oh man, no, I'm not that good. I just it's, it's, <laughs> it's something just like you, man. It's something you're passionate about, right? So like you've taken it upon yourself to get this thing started. You've started your own thing and you've reached out to these guys. And like I mentioned before, I was I was listening to earlier uh, episodes this whole week. Just I I, I just want to get caught up in up. like I mentioned before. I'm just I'm a fan, so I like hearing these guys talk. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to love this episode hearing you <laughs> talk, bud, because this was incredible. Oh, I'm telling you, man. Thanks. So we're, we're going we're gonna to end it on that note. Nate, thank you so much, buddy. And, and listeners, we will be tuned in very soon. We're going to try to release your episode, Nate, like in the next, like, like under two weeks. I want it out in the next week because oh, I'm loving man. this. So we're going to sign off right now, guys. Everyone have a wonderful day. Woo!